There is no doubt today, this Sunday, within Christendom, a great many conversations taking place about uh, Jesus and about uh, his birth and how a great many Christians are certainly thankful and blessed that God saw fit to send his son. And within the realm of Christendom, if you will, many will be um, thinking about the spiritual things and many will be thinking about the physical things. And some of them will see Jesus through a physical lens and uh, some through a spiritual lens or perspective, worldview, the way we, we view the world. Is it through a Jesus bound solely by physical things or uh, do we understand the faith which is spiritual? And um, we certainly can be thankful to God for the spiritual application that came through the birth of Jesus Christ. And we are not bound by one day. We are certainly, through the freedom we have in Christ, given the ability to and opportunity, privilege, to remember Jesus and his birth, his life, his death. Because that's what the scriptures reveal. The scriptures speak of his birth, speak of his life, his purpose, and his death. And uh, we are not bound by one day a year, though we are most certainly thankful that a great many this time around, during this season, have more so a conversation about the Christ. And that is indeed something decent that we warmly embrace in our community, in this fallen world, to which nowadays there's a lot of hate out there. There's a lot of division out there. There are many sinful, immoral, depraved things taking place in the public eye. So if people, in a time of such uncertainty and chaos, want to be mindful of the account witnessed and recorded of Jesus, then who are we to try to hinder that? We should cultivate that. But we should cultivate it through the perspective Christ revealed in his word, which is spiritual. Which is spiritual. And of course, that is the theme point, if you will, of our sermon session this Sunday as we certainly continue through the Gospel of John here in chapter 6 and the portion of Scripture uh, being verse 26 through verse 40 in which we are going to see Christ teach the physical versus the spiritual. Or if I were to say more accurately, perhaps not verses as if one is attacking the other, perhaps more so the difference 
in what is or should be taken of a more uh, in more of a priority than another that kind of stuff and to the description of the Christ I became mindful of John chapter 8 verse 58 where Jesus is speaking and reveals himself to have always been I quote saying before Abraham was born I am so though in the physical sense we remember Jesus on earth as a human being having an origin having a beginning a birth as a baby the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, God, has always been. Prior to even Abraham, which was, of course, the patriarch and a greatly respected and honored man of faith through the Jews who kept dear the lineage to Abraham, Christ speaking to them, saying, before Abraham, whom you all honor and respect and have lineage to, I am. God has always been. He is now and will forevermore be. It is understandable why God would see greater importance in the eternal through this revealing. God experienced the physical realm in a brief time And he experienced it for spiritual reasons. So it kind of gives us insight, wisdom, in where God would place spiritual and physical things. God is spiritual. He is spirit. Spirit, his spirit, always been. So therein we see, of course, a priority. And in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew's pen, in his defense of Jesus, the Christ, trying to convince the Jews of spiritual things, quoted the words of a divine source in regards to Mary, right, the mother of Jesus, her coming son, and her son's mission. And he said, Quoting now from Matthew 1.21. She, Mary, will bear a son. In other words, a miraculous birth to take place, or conception, if you will, more accurately. And you shall call his name Jesus, which is a humble beginning. A great many were called Jesus in the first century, For he will save his people from their sins. And here's the difference. He will be Jesus. Physical. Human being. For he will save his people from what? Their sins. Spiritual. You see that? You see how we exist in this physical realm, though we are called in a purpose of deeper meaning. There's a priority. And that priority is spiritual. Spiritual. Now, when the Jews, and we've read this in the accounts of Scripture we've been 
having through these Sunday sessions, these sermon sessions, when the Jews tried to forcefully apprehend Jesus in order to make him king, he fled. Why? He is the coming king? Did they not read the scriptures? Had they not known the prophets? They were interpreting the text in a misguided thought. They thought physical. Christ spoke of the nature of his kingdom, spiritual. Again, because his greater mission is spiritual. Not that the physical holds no importance at all. We are certainly uh, instructed by inspired words to be good stewards of our physical existence. But our main focus and priority in this life are things spiritual. And so that facilitates our path forward within the text we uh, investigate today, that we learn from, that we read, that we uh, believe and practice and find things of uh, practical application. So in John chapter 6, verse 26 and following, this of course taking place after Christ had practiced miraculous signs. The people had witnessed with their eyes the power of this man and the way he spoke and the things he done, his signs pointing to something greater, words. The words he spoke had the power to instruct a human being into salvation. So first, uh, verse 26 says, Jesus answered them and said, and of course he said, because they were seeking to know how and why he wasn't with them, right? And he says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, again, that is, that is the power behind the instruction. Pay close attention to what I am saying. You seek me. It's not, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. That's, that's quite revealing to the hearts of the people. And the Word of God will do that, won't it? It will put you in the mirror. And it will reveal truly what you have within your heart. The Word of God has that power. It is a physician's tool, a spiritual physician's tool, so precise, so accurate. It can go into the marrow, the bone. It can find what it needs to find to extract, to reveal, to have you come face to face with who you truly are. And the Christ speaking to uh, the people says, truly, truly, I say to you, you need to understand this. You're not seeking me for the right reasons right now. You seek me, but it's not, be it's not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. The purpose behind your motivation is not uh, founded on true, genuine faith, trust 
in the words I speak, the Christ spoke, the signs were not the means to its end. It was not its design so that you pay attention to the word that instructs you towards salvation. But you're, you're seeking me because of physical things when you should be seeking me for spiritual things. Because if you only seek me for physical things, you're only going to be eating till the day you depart and therein to be lost eternally. If you seek me for spiritual things, there's no expiration date. You will live on forever, eternally. So it kind of brings them face to face with, again, something we've been seeing as a theme in John, as Jesus interacts with both believers, the Jews, and non-believers, the foreigners, the Gentiles, the Greeks, the pagans, the heathens, the Romans, and how he brings to their reality if they are found uh, genuine, honest, and transparent to the message. I find it interesting how, again, in Matthew one twenty one, says, She, speaking of Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Think of this. The text says, the Holy Spirit says, he will save who? His people. Well, wait a minute now. Why would his people need the forgiveness of their sins? If they belong to him, would that not make them saved? Can you see now how the Jew, the Jews would neglect this message Christ brought about repentance and change? And how the kingdom was going to be taken away from those people and given to the foreigner? They crucified him for a reason, you know. The text plainly reads, if you have the honest heart to see, uh, uh, to see what it's saying, that believers, not necessarily, are found saved. He's speaking spiritual things. They were thinking physical ways. Well, I keep the law. I keep the, I keep, I keep the law. We keep the Sabbath. We do all the things we're supposed to do. We're keeping the law. That's physical. And God never told them they were wrong for keeping the law. It's that it wasn't in their hearts. It wasn't spiritual. We we're commanded to worship God how? In spirit and truth. With the right mind, the right motive, the right heart, with the right doctrine. You may have the right doctrine, but if your heart is corrupt and away from 
uh, 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 Christ, if you know not the love of Christ, and didn't we read that as well in uh, a few Sundays ago? These Jewish leaders, they searched the scriptures, thinking to justify themselves with it. We're right, see, the Bible says. God says, God's love is not with you. God's love is not in you. You don't know my father. And of course, because they knew not the son, they could not know the father. Physical, spiritual, you're following me, you're seeking me. Not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. You are believers, so you tend to think that within yourselves salvation is found if you seek the scriptures. It isn't. It's in Christ. It's not in you. Do not work for the food which perishes, verse 27, but for the food which endures to eternal life. Two kinds of foods here, physical, spiritual. What did the Samaritan woman Remember the Samaritan woman at the well with Jesus, that interaction? When he's talking to her about water that would never run dry, she was thinking, well, I want some of that water. I'll never be thirsty again. Was he speaking about physical water? No. See, you can keep drinking physical water, but you're going to die. You can keep eating physical food, but you're going to die. You have to depart this earth. It don't matter how much food or water you have. You're going to have to go. But you don't need to die twice. If you receive the physical food, uh, sorry, the spiritual food. See, the physical food sustains our physical bodies, but they're going to decay and depart no matter how good we, how, no matter how good of a maintenance we have with it. And we should. That's being a good steward of what we've been given. Do not work for the food which perishes. What do we go to work for, right? Why do we wake up and do 9 to 5 Monday to Friday for? Do we do it for the boss? Do we do it for the money? What do we do it for? We've been learning, haven't we, through Paul's pen, the Apostle Paul to our brethren in Colossae, and when he spoke about relationships that are found in Christ. Remember? Husbands, wives, wives, husbands, children, parents, employers, employees. What's the key component for everyone who seeks to be productive in Christ? What's, what's the sole work? What's the purpose of our work? It has to be for Christ. Why do you wish to become a wife? For Christ. Why do you wish to become a husband? For Christ. An obedient child? For Christ. A loving parent? For Christ. An employer? For Christ. An employee? For Christ. Why do we go to work? Why do we have the things we have? It's all because of God. What are we working for? If we work for God, no matter it be in school, uh, with coworkers, in a secular employment, uh, it, it don't matter what it is you're doing. If you're doing it for Christ and you're doing it according to His will, you have the opportunity for blessings. You can have a house and a car. You can have a family, more so importantly, right? Family. You seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. 
for on him the Father God has set his seal. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, physical, for he will save his people from their sins, spiritual. Before Abraham was born, I am. That's the Christ. So therefore they said to him in verse 28, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Christ has revealed their hearts openly before them. You're not seeking me for the right reasons. You've been laboring and working for something that will not give you eternal life. But if you start working for spiritual things, God's work is done through you. So they are asking him, well, then what shall we do? So that we may work the works of God. And Jesus answered and said to them in verse 29, this is the work of God. Interesting, isn't it? that you believe in him whom he has sent. Belief in God is a work. That's what the text says. And it's a work that is spiritual. We need to keep focused on that worldview. As we walk on this earth. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Well, haven't they been paying attention? <laughs> they had just seen Jesus feed 5,000. Haven't they been paying attention? The Christ turned water into wine. He can raise the dead, control the weather, cast out demons, know the inner thoughts of mankind. He has proven himself, not only in miraculous power, confirming, confirming who he is, but with the words he spoke, which brought the message of salvation. So they further say to him, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. You speak of a spiritual nourishment, but our people, our ancestry, was sustained by a physical nourishment. So what it is exactly that you want us to do? Well, Jesus said to them in verse 32, Truly, truly, I say to you, pay close attention to the information I'm about to reveal. It's not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven. Wait, what? It's not Moses. Moses was but the conduit for God's work. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. Who gives you a paycheck at the end of the week? Is it the employer or is it God? 
A great many Christians throughout the years we've ministered to have withdrawn themselves from His grace because they thought it was the boss, the employer who was paying their bills. You know that? That's why they wouldn't show up for worship. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Where are they? Don't work for physical things. Work for spiritual things and physical things will be blessed upon you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And what things? Food, shelter, and clothing. If you seek first Christ, His Word, His church, if that's the priority of your life in all things you do, Christ, His Word, His church, you will be the recipient of food, shelter, and clothing. But if you seek food, shelter, and clothing first, you will miss the Christ, His Word, and His church. And though you may find yourself with a great many materialistic blessings and financial gains, what worth is it truly when you meet the Maker and are found eternally punished? Will that have been worth it on that day? No. No. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it's not Moses who, who has given you the bread of, out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. And of course, verse 20, uh, 33, For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Matthew 1.21 Mary will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now this was the angel of the Lord speaking to Joseph, and this is the pen of Matthew convincing his Jewish friends, his Jewish people, that the Christ was the Messiah, though we saw him in a physical form as a human being, and he was! He was also God on earth. He will save his people from their sins. Well, how, why does he need to save? We're the Jews. What do you mean save his people? We belong to God. Yes, you are believers in God, but you have misinterpreted the scripture and you don't have him within your heart. You can legally speak of the law and that is good to legally know the law. It's understandable that if you migrate to this country, or if we migrate to another country, we have to learn the law of the land. That's a good thing. But are we obeying the law because we know its utility from the heart? Or is it just superficial? There's a, two individuals who get caught in sin. One sorry he got caught. The other one sorry that he separated himself from God. See that? Two kinds of criminal. One sorry he got caught, now he has to go to jail. If just I would have not gotten caught, could have kept being a criminal. The other one finds repentance in the message of the cross. And he changes his life. The Jews, believers, the kingdom of God, they had become um, um, shallow, vain, empty, self-righteous, hypocrisy. They sought the praise of men. They sought a great many physical things. 
that they thought was important, according to their interpretations, of the same book that you and I sit and read. So when the Christ came, they sought to utilize Christ for socio-political reasons or to utilize him in physical ways, according to their interpretation of the scripture, which was not according to the author's intent, that they not only obey the law, that they not only be legal to the law, but to do so with the right heart, motive, mind. A great many preachers can preach this book in all its languages from Genesis to Revelation, but they don't have the love of God in their minds. And they find themselves in a great many um, a great many uh, uh, sinful activities. So they said to him, what then do you do for a sign? He, they speak of the forefathers. Jesus speaks to them of Moses, puts things into the proper interpretation and proper instruction. And they say to him, verse 34, Lord, always give us this bread. Are they thinking of physical bread? Physical bread is not going to sustain you eternally. What are you working for? Over here, what do we have? We have rust. Things decay. Things rust. Thieves can break in and steal. We've seen that, haven't we? So Jesus said to them in verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Why is he saying that to them? They believe in him. They're following him. It goes deeper than that. Why do we congregate on Sunday? It goes deeper than you just sitting here, doesn't it? It goes deeper than us just showing up together every week for studies and for worship. It goes deeper than that, doesn't it? And it truly reveals uh, the one who has faith and the one who does not. Many people today say they believe in Jesus. This time of season? Oh, a great many people say they believe in Jesus. They believe in his birth. They believe in the account that has taken place. And again, we'd much rather have people speak of him in a positive way than in a very hostile way. But do we really, truly, in the mirror, in his word, find him in our hearts? Do we truly know him, the uniqueness of his church, his plan of salvation? the unique plan of salvation, the very unique pattern in which he has commanded us to worship him that is pleasing to him. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. Why do we partake of the bread and the cup? Why do we remember his body and blood? Right? What are these things we do? But I said to you in verse 36 that you have seen me and yet do not believe. How can people who belong to, to God 
not believe in God. I came to say he will, he will save his people? How can his people be, to, be told they're not believers? There's a reason they crucified him. Have you ever tried to tell a brother or sister whose heart has been withdrawn, who has withdrawn their hearts from the truth, the Christ? They'll crucify you. Have you ever tried to tell people who think themselves Christians, believers, that they're lost, that they need to be saved, that they don't know Jesus, that they don't truly believe in Jesus? They'll crucify you. Why do you think Jesus says, blessed are you when you're persecuted, when people speak all manners of evil against you? Jesus came to his people to tell them they were lost. The equivalence of Christ appearing today before us and telling us Christians we're lost. Well, that can't be right. Well, it is. If your heart's not right with his word. If you love me, keep my commands. Again, Jesus dealt with this in Matthew chapter uh, 5, I believe. 5 and 6. Where... He says, it's all, good and it's all good that you don't murder your brother. But if you hate him within your heart, you're just as guilty as if you'd murdered him. It's all good that you're not cheating on your wife with another woman. But if within your eyes you are with other women, you're just as guilty as if you had physically. That's of a spiritual nature, meaning you, you're damaging your eternal soul. So it's all good that you show up to church, you give in the offering, and you speak his word from your lips. It's all good that you keep the laws, his law of mercy and grace. But if he's not found within, if you don't truly know him and the priority that he holds in your life, then he'd be just as well saying the same thing to you and I today. I said to you that you have seen me he could have very well just said, you've read my words and you still don't believe in me. Jesus plainly says, if you believe in me, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Whoever does not believe shall be damned. We still have people saying, I don't believe that. I don't believe that means what it says it means. But it does. All that the Father gives me will come to me, verse 37. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. And who is the one who comes to him? Must be a believer. Must be a one who works for the spiritual affairs of the kingdom. When you go to your secular jobs, you do so for Christ. When we do the things we do anywhere, as we run errands, we go on vacations, we have church retreats, all the things we do, whether it be independently or collectively, we work the works of God. And believing is a work of God. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, verse 38, but the will of him who sent me. God, spiritual, within Jesus, physical, same person. Jesus, physical, the example to his people, submissive to who? The Father. And submissive to the Father indeed 
not to his own will, which would be the way of mankind. If it would have been to his own will, he would have allowed himself to fall into temptation when the devil was ready to give him the world. Or when the Jews wanted to make him king. Again, we spoke about that. That's something a man would want. Us men, you know. I want to be a king. The Jews, the leaders, they had taken that temptation for the praise of men. Yes, give us our phylacteries. Let us have the chief seats. The gatekeepers, the key holders, they thought themselves to be. This is the will of him who sent me, verse 39. That of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. Believers who work the works of God, faithful in priority, which is spiritual, will live their physical lives in such a way as to find security in Christ. To find security in Christ. Peace. To know we belong to Him. His grace, His mercy. For this is the will of my Father, verse 40, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. You won't need to die twice. You see, if we prioritize the spiritual over the physical, our physical lives will be utilized as good stewardship. Meaning we'll try our best to keep these physical lives sustained. Why? For Christ. For Christ. Now, of course, we are bombarded by all sorts of challenges, health challenges. Some of us have some very serious health issues to deal with every day. Perhaps persecution or loss of loved ones. Perhaps, again, sociopolitical attacks. Money problems, perhaps. Debt. All these things. If we prioritize the spiritual work, the physical work will fall in place and God will provide for us because it's all for him. It's not within ourselves to save ourselves and the Jews, they had, they had misinterpreted the scriptures thinking that. If we're going to be saved, we need to make Jesus a king so he can slay down the Romans and build, we can build a kingdom. And I'm not, I don't want to be too harsh on the Jew. I can see why they wouldn't want to think that way. I mean, still today, Still today, those who profess belief in Jesus think Jesus is going to walk on this earth again for a thousand years and build a physical kingdom. They still want him to be physical. He's not going to walk on this earth again. He has fulfilled all things. Before Abraham was born, I am Christ spiritual. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus physical. Within physical is found spiritual, for he will save his people from their sins. What is our priority in life? The spiritual life. The spiritual life. And of course, all who seek a spiritual birth can see it through our physical obedience. That's where so many miss it. Christ spoke of this new birth. He was speaking of a spiritual birth that needed to be practiced in our physical bodies. 
The church that belongs to Jesus Christ is a spiritual house, yet it can be identified by physical bodies coming together. That's why we can see the spiritual through what we recognize as physical. Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Well, a a person who has no faith only sees the physical. He only sees water. And he thinks to himself, well, water doesn't change. Water can't save anyone. Jesus is the one who, before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus was born. Look, water. If you have faith, what you see in that water is the blood of Jesus Christ ready to wash your sins away. Acts twenty two sixteen. Born out of water and the Spirit. If you don't see Jesus saving your soul at that spiritual sepulcher, that tomb where Christ was laid and was raised, you're going to miss it. It doesn't matter. And you will find these words judging you as the text itself says on that day. And so the new birth is certainly extended to all who seek refuge in the spiritual realm. Because that baptism, to be submerged, plunged, dipped, baptizo, clothed, buried, into water, out of water and the Spirit, you are placed in His church, added to His kingdom, and no other. It's a beautiful thing. Truly fascinating, interesting to read this information and so much more could be said. But for now, that will do and it will end our Sunday sermon session and uh, we can proceed now with a song. When the master makes the final call and you have to leave this earthly ball Well, where are you going to hide on that great day? Will you hear the Lord say, come well done or into the mountains will you run? Well, Earthquakes rock the world. world. Where, oh, where are you gonna hide? When the sun from space is hurled. Where, oh, where are you gonna hide? When all things have passed away. Say, where?